Good morning, Chapel family. I'm Ted Voltmer. I'm the executive pastor here at the chapel. Thank you for being with us today. It's good to see you all. A couple of things I want to share with you before we get started. So this past Friday night, we had our first ever Boomers versus Zoomers basketball game. Yes. And in a stunning upset, the student-led Boomer team, the, sorry, the student-led Zoomer team beat my Boomer team by a score of 54 to 53. It was a nail-biter. Yes. I want to rematch. It was a great night, and I have to give a shout out to the student leadership team under Cesar Tapia. This group of students planned and organized the whole night, and it was really a lot of fun. So next time we do it, you all need to come out. See if I have a heart attack or not. Well, <laughs> you probably noticed when you walked into the building today that we're getting a brand new roof over our heads. Yes. Thanks to your ongoing generosity and support, we were able to cover this large expense out of our current budget. And we didn't need to raise any additional funds. I'm very grateful for that. I want to give a shout out to Josh Horn, our facilities director, for handling this project. Josh actually has a 10-year plan in place for the ongoing care and development of all of our properties. You've heard me say many times that we take the stewardship of all that God's given us very seriously. And this is just another example of how we do that. And the best news is that, here's the good news, right? That roof comes with a 20-year warranty, so... It'll be somebody else's problem the next time. <laughs> I won't have to worry about it. Today's also Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all of our fathers here with us. Be sure to grab a bottle of the Dad's Root Beer, see what we did there, on your way out. And since it is Father's Day and I'm preaching, my daughters say, said that I get to tell one dad joke. <laughs> yes. So you all get the gift. I get to share the gift with you. You ready? Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Who was the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson, because he brought the house down. Thank you. I'm here all week. So, but seriously, I have a word. To, I want to say a quick word to the men here. If you've been blessed with children, then being a father is one of the most important things that God is calling you to do. The Apostle Paul compared himself to being a father to his church family in Thessalonica when he wrote these words. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. What a great description of what it means to be a father. We should always be encouraging and comforting and urging our sons and daughters to live lives worthy of God. This is my first Father's Day without my father, but he did those three things so well in my life, and I hope and pray that I can consistently encourage and comfort and urge Samantha and Alex and Nicole to live God-worthy lives too. Well, speaking of living lives worthy of God, today is the last message in our series on worship. Throughout the series, Pastor Dave has been saying that worship is our whole life response to whatever we value the most. And for us as believers, worship is our response expressed in our words and our actions to who God is and what he has done for us. 
So today we're going to look at what it means to live a life of worship as we live out each day our response to all God is and all that he's done for us. Now I'm going to do a little something different with today's service. For me, there are two key aspects of living a worship of living a worshipful life, of being a worshiper. That's spending time, personal time in praise and spending time in prayer. So I want to get really practical here. At the end of the service, I'd like to hear some of your prayer requests. And we're going to pray specifically for those requests as a congregation, as part of the service. Okay, so be thinking now about what you want to share with us, what we can pray for you, And towards the end of the service, we'll take some of those requests and we'll pray as a congregation. Yeah, I know, it makes me a little nervous too, but let's see what God does with it. Okay, so let's look at our passage. We're going to wrap up the worship series by looking at Romans 12. It's a very well-known passage. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is God's word for us. So Paul starts this passage with therefore, and he's tying this to everything he said in the first 11 chapters of his letter. Paul's letter to the Romans is one of the most important and influential books in the New Testament. He covers so much theology here, including salvation by faith in Jesus alone, the need for God's grace to overcome sin, and how his grace leads to justification, where God declares us righteous because of our faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And those are only some of the big themes of Romans. There's more than that. But here in Romans 12, Paul turns the corner, and for the rest of the letter, he gets very, very practical. He's telling us that when we understand and believe all that God has done for us, then our lives have to be different in response to that. When God opens my eyes so that I can see what my life was like before Jesus, where sin affected and, confr- and, and controlled every aspect of what I think and do, and then I realize what he did for me by sending his son to die in my place just so that I can have a relationship with him for eternity. When I understand all that, then how I live my life should be different. And Paul is saying that the right response is to live a life of worship, that I should be a worshiper 24-7. So I'm going to take a few minutes to walk through the passage, and then we'll look at two ways to live this out. So let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... So Paul is talking to all of us, believers, and he wants us to focus on God's mercy first. Remember that mercy is is unmerited and undeserved. God extends his mercy to sinful humanity as an expression of his love and grace towards each one of us. There's nothing we do to deserve it. It's all God showing us mercy because he loves us so much. If God was only going to be fair and just, then we deserve to be punished for all the things we've done. 
as well as all the things that we didn't do that we should have done. But thankfully, God is merciful. And his mercy towards us is new every day. It never runs out. And he's waiting right now to show you even more mercy. Mercy is who God is. And his mercy is evident throughout all of scripture. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve chose to do things their way instead of God's way, God responded with mercy. Instead of of immediately just crushing them, he provided clothes and cared for them and gave them hope by promising to provide a Messiah. As the story unfolds in the Old Testament, we see this cycle of his people, the Israelites, following him and then rebelling, then coming back only to rebel again, just like we do. God always responded with mercy, even when they were unfaithful. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the living embodiment of God's mercy. He heals the sick. He forgives sinners and just loves those the rest of the world considered unworthy. And then Jesus goes to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. And his life and death and resurrection are the perfect expression of God's mercy in action. And in view of all that, Paul says there's only one way to respond. If we see all of that, what God has done, Paul's saying there's only one way to respond. And that's to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. J.I. Packer said that the true driving force in authentic Christian living is and ever must be not the hope of gain, but the heart of gratitude. So everything we do every day should be out of gratitude for what God has done for us and not because we're trying to get something from him in return. Paul says that out of our gratitude for what God has done, we have to become a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And that's such an interesting term to use for Paul. It's an oxymoron, right? Two opposite words joined together like deafening silence or jumbo shrimp. (laughs) But can you imagine what Paul's original audience thought when they heard this? In their day, a sacrifice was an animal presented to a priest to be killed. And now here Paul is telling us that we need to be that sacrifice. And we need to keep doing it every day. That's what makes it a living sacrifice. It means setting aside what I want and what I think is best for me to do what God wants and what he says is best for me. And Paul is saying that when we do that, we're worshiping God. That whenever I choose to do what he wants instead of what I want, that's an act of worship. Whenever I can give God the glory for something instead of taking it for myself, that's an act of worship. Whenever I can put the needs of someone else ahead of my needs out of gratitude for what God has done for me, that's an act of worship. And if you've been around church for, for a while, you know this. You know, that it, you know what it means to set aside your own personal desires in order to put God's desires for you first as well as the needs of others. The challenge is doing it. It's doing it. And that is why Paul brings us back to worship Because living a life of worship is both the reason to be a living sacrifice and the result of doing that. 
Now stay with me for a minute because this is what I mean. Let me unpack that. Being a worshiper invites the Holy Spirit to work in me so that God, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit working in me to take me out of the way so that God gets all the glory. And the outcome of doing that is that it makes me want to worship him even more. It's this virtuous cycle of worship leading to sacrifice, which leads to more worship. So for the rest of our time together, I want to share what it means to live a life of worship. And please, you know me, I'm not setting myself up as the example. I would never do that. But over the past few years, God has been using worship to reach me and shape me in different ways. And he may want to do the same for you. So if Paul is telling us to live a life of worship in response to all that God has done for us, I want to share two ways to help you do that today. First, a worshiper spends time in praise. Spends time in praise. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about the importance of worshiping in community and how that brings us closer to God and closer to each other. And I couldn't agree more. I love the time we spend together in worship each week. That time is so important, but it should not stop there. For me, I need time alone worshiping God through music and song. There's just something about worshiping through music that reaches into the deepest part of our soul and opens us up to God in a very special way that words alone can never do. Here's how author Craig Dennison describes it. Worship through song is one of the most powerful ways to connect directly to the love, compassion, power, and grace of God. In worship, walls we've placed between God and us get torn down, just as God tore the veil at the death of Christ. In worship, our hearts become soft, aware, and open to the glorious majesties of God's nearness. In worship, God makes his nearness known to us and fills us anew with the power of his manifest presence. That is so true. That's what worship does for me. Spending time in praise helps bring me out to God and brings God into me. The right song can help me express what I want to say to God when I just can't form the words myself. Here's an example. In his song, Nothing Else, Cody Carnes writes these lyrics. I'm not here for blessings, Jesus. You don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. I've used those words in personal worship so many times to get my head right before God. Instead of coming to him with a list of all the things that I want or need, I start by saying that I just want to be with him because of who he is, not because of what he can do for me. And then God uses worship to get his words into me. The words we sing together each week are rich with God's words, and God uses that to fill us with truth. I know that Lauren puts a lot of thought into the songs she selects for just that reason. Last week we sang the song, Worthy of It All. You are worthy of it all, for from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. That's straight from Romans eleven thirty six, which says, For from him, and through him, and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. That's a scriptural truth that we sing together. The words get inside of us. 
A few months ago, Lauren introduced the song, Same God. Those lyrics come straight from Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. In Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's great biblical truth that gets inside of us. Earlier in the service, we just sang, Jesus, you alone. That song is so full of theological truth, and it echoes Revelations 4 and 5. God's words getting inside of us. So worship gives us the, the words to bring to God, and worship fills us with his words, too. Here's Craig Dennison again. God's desire in worship is to draw us near to himself, fill us to overflow with his love, and wait patiently for us to love him in return. The more often we receive his love through worship, the more consistently we will love and honor him in all we do. That's that virtuous cycle I talked about before. Worship brings me into God's presence, and being in his presence makes me want to worship him even more which makes me even more aware of his presence, which just leads to more worship. So a worshiper spends time in praise, and a worshiper spends time in prayer. And really, these two actions blend together so easily, it's hard to tell where praise ends and prayer begins, right? Because worship is prayer. Like we just said, worship allows us to enter into God's presence and start a dialogue with him. And that's where our praise becomes prayer. And it's more than that. When I take my needs and worries and desires to God, I'm saying to him that I cannot handle all this on my own. I need your help. I'm acknowledging that you are God and you are Lord over my life, not me. I'm going to set aside what I think is the right answer, the right thing to do, to find out what you think is right. And what you say I should do. And when we do that, when we have that mindset, prayer becomes worship. This isn't always easy. I get it. I've shared with you all before that I rarely sleep through the night anymore. I used to fight it and try taking different things. And then I just said, well, let me lean into it. Now I just get up and go out to the living room and pray for as long as it takes. Tim Keller says that prayer, though it is often draining, even in agony, is in the long term the greatest source of power that is possible. And that is so true because look at the alternative. The alternative is to try and figure out everything on your own based on your own experience and knowledge. Maybe you could tap into some friends or family for their, for their input, but that is still so limited compared to an all-knowing, all-powerful God whose Holy Spirit dwells inside us and is interceding for us when we pray with groans that are just too deep for words. The Spirit takes what we're trying to say and translates that into words that God understands. Why wouldn't we choose that? over someone else's advice. Paul is saying the same thing in today's passage. Don't be conformed to this world, but allow God to transform your mind so that you can know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
That is what happens when we worship him in prayer. So the next time you're in a difficult situation or dealing with some problem, stop and pray before doing anything else. Set yourself aside for a minute and take it to God. You'll be worshiping him when you do that. That's an act of worship. Next time a friend comes to you for advice, listen to what they have to say, of course. But before you respond, take a minute to pray with them. Instead of trying to fix their problem, take it to God and give him the glory for providing an answer. That is an act of worship. If a coworker comes to you with an issue or concern, ask if you can pray for them. Seriously, I've never had anyone, I've never had someone turned down being prayed for. Never. It's a great way to bring them into God's presence and it's an act of worship. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you if you have anything that we can pray about. Anything that we can pray for, for you. You don't have to come up here. (laughs) Just raise your hand and Jamie or Paul will come to you. If you're in the balcony, come downstairs. Stand by the tech booth in the back and we'll get to you too. Here's why we're doing this, okay? Here's why this is so important. At the end of his time on earth, Jesus gathered his disciples around him and he said, guys, I'm going to be leaving you soon, but don't worry. When I'm gone, you will do even greater things than I did. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus said that you and me, all of us, would do greater things than he did. (laughs) Sometimes I look around and I wonder, why aren't we doing great things? What's holding us back? And I think one answer is that we're just not praying enough. In the Bible, the prayers of God's people defeated armies calmed storms, cured diseases, silenced demons, raised the dead, and built the kingdom of God. And Jesus, just, and Jesus is saying to us, wait, you can do even more. So we're going to take a few minutes now, and we're going to worship God by bringing your prayer requests to him because he loves you, and he wants the best for you. So I'm going to ask Jamie and Paul to come forward here. And if you have a prayer request, just raise your hand. We would love to pray for you as a congregation.